Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, December 17th, 2019, and you know what that means. It's a week until Christmas, and it's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 120 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I am Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I've got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity 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 Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, what's good, man? How you been? I've been doing very well, Mr. Nice Guy. It's been, uh, you know, it's been a fun week. Uh, As you know, Mrs. The Mac and I, we're new to the Omaha area, and we've been doing stuff to, you know, find gainful employment that we like around here, um, as well as to investigate other areas where employment might be had, like, for example, maybe a little bit closer to you. Dude, that would be fun. We could do more... uh... More hangouts, more in-person hangouts. Indeed. If we were a mere three hours down the road, for example, uh, we could probably get together once every other week or so. Dude, that's that's like uh, that's like an hour and a half if we meet halfway. Yeah, that's very that's, doable. That's a podcast. That's an episode of a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. That's not a long drive, man. Well, cool. So you're in Omaha doing Omaha. What's that phrase? When in Omaha do as the Omahamians do? I think that sounds correct, yes. Right. So what do they do, man? What have you guys been up to? Looking for jobs, hanging with family? Are there any sites to see out there, or is it is it kind of more a low-key area? I don't know a ton about it. You know, there are things to see. There's, like, uh, this place called Fontenelle Forest, uh, just kind of south of Omaha that's kind of cool. There are uh, There's one of the best zoos in the world here. Um, at least that's what I'm given to understand. I have not yet been to said zoo, uh, uh, but a lot of it's been, well, now that it's winter, a lot of the stuff's been inside. Yeah, exactly. Understood. But Understood. Uh, there's a lot to, there's a lot to enjoy. So we've just been making some good strides in, uh, applying to jobs in various areas. Uh, of course, people aren't really hiring right before Christmas, so... You know, a lot of places are, you know, it's the it's the pre-work. So a- anyway, just general stuff going on. Uh, what about you, Mr. Nice Guy? What's up with you the past week? Mm, well, we had some guests a couple weeks ago, and now we don't. So, you know, when you go from having guests to not having guests, it seems like your house is way bigger than it was before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we were all stepping all over each other. We had five extra people here. Now it's just me and the wife and the, the army of children. So... I mean, as low-key as things can be um, for a big family like ours, it's it's been that low-key. My boys started basketball, which I'm really proud of, Mac. You got you know I'm a baller. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I like to play. I like to watch. And, uh, and so I was at my son's basketball practice, and the coach, very, very nice guy, um, but the kids were just, like, so rowdy. So I was like, dude – you want me to help you? Like, do you want me to give you some backup? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And I said, listen, I'm not going to step on your toes, even though my personality, Mac, definitely an alpha. But I was like, you know what? This guy's the coach. Mac rolled his eyes when I said that. Uh, this guy's the coach. I'm just going to kind of follow his lead. He was like, no, please step in, do whatever you can to help. So now I'm coaching a basketball team, uh, Mac, co-coaching a basketball team. So we'll see how that goes. I got to YouTube some drills to do with the kids Mm. Um, because I don't even know where to start. I mean, I know the basics, but not with six and seven year or five and six year olds. What would you do, Mac? If someone said, Mac, you know what? You need to coach this basketball team. Put down the controller and coach this team. Where would you start? Um, 
uh, you would, you I, would I Google would, basketball, yes, right, to yes. make sure you knew which sport and that you had the right type of ball. Mm-hmm. And then where would you go from there, man? Um, uh, then I would go for, uh, yeah, no, no, I think you're, I think you're right. Go for stuff for the kids to do, like practices and things. Mm-hmm. Maybe watch a few of those uh, heartwarming shows where a dog plays basketball, and you know, get some good information from that. Um, I don't know. So I like that you referenced Airbud. That's a popular basketball movie that I'm sure you couldn't remember the name of. Do you have any favorite sports movies, Mac? Even though you're not a sports guy, Space Jam. Dude, Space Jam's the classic, dude. Space Jam is the epitome of a sports movie. And actually, my kids, I feel like my youngest son, or I guess my middle son, I should say, in particular, really likes basketball because of the comedian Michael Jordan, who is in Space Jam. They love that yep, movie. Yep, he's hilarious. Yeah, he's a very funny dude. Also, not a bad baller, if uh, if you ever look him up on YouTube. Well, Mac, anyway, we've, we've bantered enough. We're talking about sports. This is a video game podcast. I say we do what we do best. And hop right into the gaming news. What do you think about that? Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode number 120 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. Today, we've got some news about a console that's going to be auctioned off, the new Xbox, some PlayStation accessories that are coming out, and some eSports competitions that are going down so let's let's start with the esports mac because this one intrigued me i feel like anytime a competitive game comes out it can't just be competitive online it has to be competitive with prize money you know what i mean like they have to add a prize money component so we're talking about apex legends to start this is on gamespot.com written by james o'connor it says apex legends is closing out a huge 2019 with the announcement of the global series a new esports program where players from all over the world will compete against each other for a three million dollar prize pool Registration will open in January, and qualifiers will happen online. The Global Series will be played across the PC version of the game. Players who qualify during the online rounds will move on to one of 12 live events, and eventually the top players from over 60 countries will compete in the Apex Legends Global Series Majors. The first three of these will see 103-person squads competing against each other, and the fourth will be the grand finale where just 60 players will compete. I'm not going to read all the details, but i got a couple questions for you, Mac. Um, number one. If and when you have a son or daughter and they're super into video games and they say, Dad, I don't like the math. I don't like the science. I just want to get really good at this game and I want to compete for millions of dollars doing this. That's what I want to do as a career. As a parent, how are you responding to that? How would you take that? You know, so here's the thing that has me a little bit worried. I feel like... Your primary plan being to get rich from doing any sort of thing like that competitively is always a little bit worrisome, right? So I don't know how I would handle it, but I imagine I would handle... I I would be proud. I'd be happy on the one respect, uh, but I would probably react much the same way if one of my kids said to me, I'm going to be a professional rodeo clown, or I'm going to be a professional this or a professional that, you know. I, I, I feel like I, I would hope that I would react the same way if it were one of these high-risk, super competitive, um, you know, fields in any field rather than just video games, if that makes sense. 
So here's here's where I want to push a little bit because I mean this is a legitimate thing that people are doing. They're seeing these things. They're already really good at the game, and they're saying, you know what, mom and dad, I want to drop out of school and I want to go and I want to do Fortnite for a living. Now you said something that's interesting. You said if if someone's trying to become rich doing this, now maybe let's say they don't want to be rich. Let's say they just want to make a comfortable living. Would you be cool with that? And I'll kind of give you an example. So you know I do stand up. We talk about it all the time. Um, there's an interview that Dave Chappelle does where his parents, it, it sounds like his parents at one point kind of discouraged him from trying to do stand up when he was young. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but basically they said something to the effect of, do you think you can make enough money to survive and be happy doing stand up? And one of his parents was a teacher and he said, well, you know what? If I could make a teacher's salary doing comedy, I would be happy. Mm. Right. And, and that's kind of the same thing that I said to some family members when they asked me about comedy. And I, I said, you know, I don't necessarily need to make millions. I just want to make enough doing it to be happy. And they said, oh, well, we thought you wanted like Jay Leno money. And so the same thing applies here. Like what if kids could make, you know, just enough to get by? Like if my kid came to me and, and said that they wanted to do this full time, I would probably say, listen, you got to get an education just just as a backup but go for it. Like you're only young once. That's kind of how I would take it as a parent. Now I'm different than a lot of people, but that's me. Well, you're probably, well, you're probably, you probably have the right approach, Mr. Nice Guy. With your wealth of experience with children that I just do not have, I would say, sounds like you've got it down. No, and I wasn't trying to imply that at all because that, that's completely irrelevant. We can both have valid opinions. You know, regardless of how many kids we have. But with you know what I mean. With kids, I think your opinion is more valid than mine. No, not at all. Not at all. Anyway, let us know in the chat what you guys think. If your kid wanted to go hardcore. Now, here's another question I have for you. Why do they always make people do these tournaments on the PC version of the game? I get that they think that there's the superior version, but a lot of really good people play this on console, and so it kind of eliminates a huge portion of the competitive player base if you only do it on pc either playstation and xbox people need to learn how to do it on pc learn how to play on pc or they just don't get to compete and i don't understand that i'm afraid i don't really either i mean on the one hand you might say something like oh well it's to make sure that the you know that there aren't hardware differences but it's like that's what consoles would do so you know that's what would do for playing on a console i really don't know and I guess if it's not crossplay, they got to pick a console. They got to pick a console or a PC and have it be uniform. Yeah. But I, I guess I just don't understand why it has to be the PC. Maybe one possibility could be that if you were doing it on PC, there's the option for a lot more sponsors because the various, uh, you know, manufacturers of items could sponsor the tournament because, oh, we're going to use, you know, we're going to use Corsair RAM and we're going to use this motherboard and so there's an opportunity for more uh, for more sponsorships that way but just that a shot in the it. dark that could be it i guess we'll find out spenis however Somebody. does point out in the chat that most fighting games are played on console rather than pc that's true and i wonder spenis if that's because of input lag although i assume input lag could apply just as much on on a pc as it could on a console but who knows 
Um, also, the thing about uh, consoles with fighting games, you can use the joystick, although those may be compatible with PC as well. Anyway, we digress. Lots of cool news to talk about this week, so we'll keep it moving. Um, this next one comes from GameSpot.com by Jordan Ramey, I believe it's pronounced. Uh, it says, Sign-ups for the closed beta for Fantasy Star Online 2 are now live. The beta will only be hosted on the Xbox One, and to participate, you will need to be in the U.S. or Canada. To register for the closed beta, you need to own the Xbox Insider Hub app, so download it from the Xbox One store if you haven't already. Once the app is installed, open it, accept the terms of use, and if this is your first time using the Insider Hub, and then select Insider Content, this is complicated Mac, from the main dashboard. You'll then see several category types. Under Games, select Fantasy Star Online 2. From there, you can join the sign-up list. The closed beta isn't live yet, but you'll receive a message from Xbox Live when it is, so be sure to remain online. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It says, remain online? That's interesting. Yeah. Does that, that mean you have to be like one of the first X number of people who accepts the closed beta? Well, it's almost like it's saying you have to sign up and then you got to make sure that you stay connected because it will allow you to get in once it is. Oh, okay. But but I don't know. Maybe there's a limited number of spots. It is a closed beta. Just the phrasing got me a little bit worried. It is, it is interesting how it's written. It goes on to say, 2012's Fantasy Star Online 2 is the long-awaited sequel to 2000's Fantasy Star Online, pub- both published by Sega. Uh, though the original game was quickly released to international audiences after its launch in Japan, its sequel did not. Eventually, some fans began to believe it never would. So it was with great surprise that Microsoft, during its E3 2019 press conference, announced that the game was coming to North American audiences in early 2020. Um, it's a free-to-play action RPG, and it takes place in a fantasy setting of space exploration where you embark on missions, blah, blah, blah. Mac, um, did you ever have a Dreamcast? I did not. Dreamcast is one of the consoles that I skipped over, actually. I only know because, I only ask because you're a retro guy. Um, and I could have sworn that there was, like, a Fantasy Star game on the Dreamcast that was extremely popular. Um, this RPG, closed beta. I guess it's only on Xbox, but have you ever played any of the other Fantasy Star games? Um, yeah, I've played some of the earlier Fantasy Star games. Um, what do you What do you think about them? Oh, they're good. They're especially like, good. Very... They're especially good for when they were released, and you know what sort of things they have going on. They're They're very good for their time. So, and they're still reasonably good today. Yeah, see, and I've never played any of them. I almost signed up for the closed beta, but I feel like I just don't have time for it. Now, here's here's my question for the people in the chat, and for you too, Mac. I don't get why this game took so many years to get here. Um, I don't think it was just a localization thing. Uh, any ideas why you know it was released in Japan in 2012 and we're just now getting it here in the States? Um, it might, well, I mean, it could be just a localization thing in the sense that there was not enough interest for them to feel like putting the money on doing the localization. Or they might have felt like, uh, like, you know, they had other projects that were more worth focusing their funding on until who knows, maybe we've got sort of a slow game quarter right now and... This is what they think. So this this will do. You know what I mean? See, and that's the thing that frustrates me because we've seen with games like Monster Hunter that these games actually really do sell very well in the West. 
there's really a, a fan base that's dedicated to playing these games that are released in Japan. And so, you know, if they were worried about there being enough interest, I don't understand. And I think that may have been it. But I don't understand why they would then wait seven years and say, well, now there's enough interest. You know, now that the game has been out seven years, I've, I've never understood that mentality. But regardless, for those of you who are fans of this type of game, it's now available on your Xbox in closed beta form. So we got a lot of other really cool news. Mac, let's jump into one of the bigger stories of the week. Now, we've talked about the benefits and disadvantages of doing a gaming podcast once a week. The disadvantages, the Game Awards, were over a week ago. And uh, and there were some really, really interesting winners that came out of it. Um, I'll read some of them, and we can kind of talk about them. Uh, the Game of the Year, Mac, was Sekiro, Shadows Die, Die Twice. Um, it was up against Super Smash Brothers, The Outer Worlds, uh, Control. Help me out, chat. I can't remember all the rest of them. It was up against some solid games, right? Oh, and uh, Death Stranding. Mm-hmm. Um, this was not one that people expected to win. It was a dark horse. Mac, this is available on PC. Now Now that it's one game of the year, any interest in going and playing this type of game? Um, um, nin- ninja fighting game, punishingly hard, kind of like Dark Souls. Maybe, probably not for quite some time. I feel like I'm punishing myself enough with uh, with other games. Um, and the time that I did spend playing Dark Souls, the first one, I didn't especially enjoy, uh, which made it easy for me not to return to it. So the punishingly hard games, unless we're talking Mega Man, just don't seem to do it for me. See, and my thing is, I'm just surprised that it won, not because it's not a good game. I'll be completely honest, I have not played it yet. But typically, games that win Game of the Year, you think of a game that's more accessible. You know, that that your average gamer can enjoy, but that the hardcore gamer can see the artistic um, benefits of. Like, Like, hey, this game has a really good story, I'm a hardcore gamer, I like the story, I like the voice acting, I like the uh, mechanics... And I appreciate this is game of the year for that reason. But at the same time, if I'm a casual gamer, it's easy for me to pick up and play and not be frustrated. And Sekiro, from what I've read, is not that game. Um, it's a die over and over and over again type of game. So it's interesting to see that it won, but I'm happy that it did. I personally thought it was going to be Super Smash Brothers or The Outer Worlds because they're both phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And because The Outer Worlds is on Game Pass, a lot of people have access to play it. So I thought that that popularity might result in it winning. Uh, but however, it didn't. So a couple other uh, awards that were, were given out. Um, independent game was Disco Elysium, which I also have not played, but I really want to now. Um, if you watched the Game Awards, you guys saw that Reggie Fisame gave a really, really great speech. Um, and he talked about how all developers start out as independent developers uh, before they get big and, and how they're contributing to the goodness of gaming. He also really gave a passionate part of his talk, speech rather, about where he said that games result in positive outcomes for society and he believes in their ability to do that. So I thought that was great. Um, a couple other awards. Action adventure game was also Sekiro. Role playing game was Disco Elysium. Family game of the year, Mac, was Luigi's Mansion 3. Mario. Esports game. What's that? I just said Mario. 
Yeah, did you ever play any of the old school Luigi's Mansion? I think there was one on GameCube back in the day. There was on GameCube. No, I haven't played any of the old school Luigi's Mansions, but I have seen some of them played. The only one that I ever played was on, um, what was it on? It was on 3DS, and it had multiplayer, and the multiplayer was solid for a 3DS game. So I can only imagine it's the same thing here. Um, Apex Legends won multiplayer game. This is so interesting to me, because I felt like it should have been up for game of the year, and it wasn't. Uh, but it is what it is. And then Super Smash Bros. Ultimate won fighting. Um, Fortnite won ongoing game, and then there's some other awards that I'm not as concerned with. So... Overall, pretty solid Game Awards. Now, Mac, there was one major announcement that came out of the Game Awards that we'll talk about, and that was the new Xbox uh, that was announced. Have you seen images of it yet? I have seen images of it. What are your thoughts on the new style of the Xbox Series X? It's square. And it's yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is. I like how you're right to the point, Mac. It's also black. I don't know if you knew that. And it says Xbox on it. Yeah. If we're if we're pointing out obvious things. It really just tells you everything that you need to know. I will say, since it's a Xbox X, this new one, um, what I really would have loved is I would have would have loved for them to use um, do you remember that? It was a it was back when they announced the first, the original Xbox. Uh, they had a you know, they had a console shape for it that was in the shape of an X. It was really, really cool. You can see some of the uh, you know, they, they did it in like silver aluminum or something, and it was beautiful. I think since they were going for Xbox X, it would have been cool for them to have dusted off that old design and put it in something like that. X gon' give it to you. They, you know what? They could have done all kinds of wordplay. They could have had DMX present it. They could have done all kinds of cool stuff, man, if they would have made it X-shaped. But they missed the opportunity, Microsoft. Now, someone in the chat says um, that you can actually turn it on its side if you want it to fit on your shelf, which is phenomenal because I don't think anyone wants to stand it up like that. But then again, uh, for- on any of these, you know, on like, for example, the Xbox 360, it had a sort of stand up kind of feel to it, but you could easily put it on its side. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Now, here's my thing. It looks like a PC. For those of you who have not seen it, it looks like a PC tower. Um, I like that they're doing something different. That's kind of how I'll, I'll put it. You know, people always make that argument that grandmothers will get things confused, right? Or that parents shopping for their kids will accidentally buy the wrong one. If that's really a concern, which I actually don't think it is, now that this one is shaped completely different from any other console and from the previous Xbox, no one should be able to confuse it. All the kid has to say is, yeah, I want the one that looks like a PC tower. That's a big rectangle that's long and tall. And then the parents should know, right? So it's kind of cool that Microsoft did something different. Uh, Mac, a couple details about this new console that I think are cool. Let's read this article, part of it anyway, from IGN.com. It says, Microsoft has confirmed the next-gen Xbox Series X will support backwards compatibility with all Xbox One titles from the day it launches. Uh, head Xbox head of Xbox Phil Spencer told GameSpot that Xbox Series X will be able to play all of the games currently available on the Xbox One from day one. That includes Xbox One games, but also Xbox 360 and original Xbox titles that have been made backwards compatible over time with the Xbox One. So I won't read the whole thing, but they're testing this out in advance to make sure that it works. Um, they're they're killing it, Mac. 
the, the whole Xbox library that they have made backwards compatible in the past will absolutely be available, which I think is an amazing thing. So, um, geez, there is so much news this week. Mac, we're going to kind of summarize some of the rest of it so we, we have time to get through the rest of the show. Um, Sony is coming out with a new peripheral for their their uh, controllers that gives you pro- programmable buttons on the back called the back button attachment. I think it's weird they're doing that so late in the gen, um, but it is what it is. Sony, Sony likes that money. Warcraft 3 Remastered is going to be pushed to 2020. And uh, that's it. We'll talk about other stuff during Topic of the Week. That's our news. Mac, over to you, buddy. All right. Well, Mr. Nice Guy, let's uh, take a look into the past, shall we? Some video game history for you folks, and uh, this is going to be a little bit brief because I don't know if you knew this, but video game companies don't like releasing games too close to Christmas, and they also don't like releasing them shortly thereafter because they tend to want to capitalize on those people who are trying to uh, buy games for the kids. So video game history will te- will get a little bit, you know, a little bit slight over the next uh, next couple of episodes, but never fear. We're coming back with a vengeance. Uh, released for the PS2, we would this week and years back, we had Final Fantasy X. Um, this is a Final Fantasy that for all of its flaws, and there are plenty, including but not limited to some of the weirdest voice acting choices that I can think of, um, and a main character that I found wholly unenjoyable, uh, welcome, welcome, Gal- Galvatron. Shouts at, shout out to him. Um, hey, shout out to Galvatron. What's good, homie? Uh, but uh, Final Fantasy X definitely not being my favorite. Um, you know, uh, my definitely not being my favorite of the Final Fantasies. Did have one thing that I really enjoyed, and that is the sphere grid. Being able to level up your characters in a more you know, freeform way and being able to unlock the level up trees of other characters so that if you had primarily a strength-based character that over time you could kind of dip him into the speedy tree that the main character went for. Uh, anyway, some very interesting uh, some very interesting takes there, uh, but I did really enjoy the sphere grid from Final Fantasy X. Didn't enjoy the, uh, didn't enjoy a lot of the rest of it. Uh, Subnautica, back in 2014, was released for the PC. An absolutely beautiful game, one that I have not yet had the privilege of playing. However, I have it in my Steam library now, so I'm looking forward to getting started on that. Uh, Check the space, the what we've been playing space in the future for my report on so. Although I have seen enough of it to know that it is gorgeous and really fun. Uh, and then in 1993, this week, as you remember, last week we talked about those, uh, um, how it was the anniversary of the Senators Lieberman and What's-His-Bucket uh, having that hearing on video game violence. Well, it was shortly thereafter, this week, in 1993, that uh, toy stores and game stores started to stop carrying the game Night Trap, which, uh, as we know, one of the most violent video games of all time. 
Wait, what was it called? Night Trap. And it definitely wasn't one of the most violent video games of all time. It was merely a video game that caught the attention of the, you know, Washington blowhards that were talking about it and uh, was, as a result, not carried in stores anymore. So uh, you can actually play Night Trap on the Switch, you know, like right now. Uh, they did a release for the Nintendo Switch. So, yeah. But... Uh, nice. It's short video game history this week, but there is a little bit of video game history for you. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing that, Mac. I don't have memories of any of those games, but very relevant as far as uh, games that have been influential. So we've got a couple options, Mac, today for our uh, topic of the week, which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for that segment where we talk about the topic of the week, something that's relevant in gaming and give our opinions on it. Um, we could talk about a rare console, or we can talk about the Stadia and the bad decisions they're making, Mac. You got a choice today. Which one would you rather talk about, man? I have a feeling I know which one you're going to pick. Let's go for the first one. We will talk about that rare console. This is, um, I don't know if you've heard this news story already, but it's pretty cool. This is on IGN.com. And Mac, it's interesting. I'm really glad you chose this one because it talks about something that we have discussed multiple times on the show as early or as recently as last week. This is by Matt Kim. It says the prototype Nintendo PlayStation will be going up for auction in February. According to new reports, the proposed partnership device from Nintendo and Sony that never went into production over a corporate fallout is the stuff of video game legends, and it will be changing hands for the first time in over a decade. Kotaku reports that Terry Diebold, who purchased the Nintendo PlayStation in 2009 from an auction lot of abandoned property from a former Sony executive, will auction the console in February 2020 through Heritage Auctions. Diebold started touring the system around the world at a classic gaming expos at classic gaming expos in 2015 with his son, but says that those ventures were funded out of pocket and that he can no longer be burdened by the cost. I can't keep losing money. I've put a lot of work into this by traveling with it, and we have made nothing on it, DeBold told Kotaku via email. Every trip that we have taken has cost us money out of pocket. The Sony PlayStation, or Super NES CD-ROM system, was a prototype machine that could play both NES cartridge games and CD games. It was meant to be a partnership device between Nintendo and Sony before the latter abruptly called off the partnership. Actually, Sony and Nintendo, before the latter abruptly called off the partnership to work with Philips instead. Now, here's the thing, Mac. It says Heritage Auctions is the same organization that sold the record-breaking $100,000 Super Mario NES cartridge back in February. And it says DeBold has previously turned down a $1.2 million offer from someone in Norway because after paying taxes, paying off his debts, and splitting the profit 50-50 with his son, there would be nothing left, he says. Um, Yeah. That, that was a red flag to me, but here's the kicker. It says, unfortunately, this sale would mean that the device gets sold off into private collection. UK-based PR Ryan Bowman Brown said on Twitter that they attempted to convince DeBold to preserve the console in a museum with no luck. So, Mac, you and I are both what I would call preservationists, right? We like to see this type of stuff be preserved and be accessible. Mm-hmm. Let's say you own this console, Mac. Let's say you're the guy who owns the prototype. Are you taking 1.2 million or are you so passionate 
about preservation that you're putting this bad boy in a museum? Um, I am so passionate that I am handing it over to the video game, you know, uh, to the video game museum run by uh, Frank Cifaldi. You're you're serious. You would yeah. tear down that much money? I would. Uh, I mean, the thing is, is that's sort of uh, sort of the trade-off. Few are the people who are going to offer you lots of money so that uh, other people have access to it. And when you have something that's unique and a big part of history, I feel like, eh, you know? Yeah. For me, I am more interested in the preservation aspect of it than I am money. Uh, But then again, that's easy for me to say because I don't actually have to actively turn that money down right now. This is a hypothetical. So, I mean, maybe if I had it in my hands, I'd feel differently. But right now, dispassionate, disconnected, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Museum time. I don't know, man. If it was me, I would probably just want to keep it. Like that's that's the I mean just keep I, I it mean, and not take it on the road is what you're saying. Right. I, I I don't understand why they ever took it on the road. To me to me that's crazy and I don't know what they had to gain from that. In fact, they had a lot to lose from it, right? I mean, if they were taking it on the road, it made it made me think that this guy's passionate about other people being able to see it and have access to it, but yet now he's selling it. Um, and it's interesting. It said that if he took 1.2 million, paid off his debt, paid taxes, split it, he would have no money. So I don't know how much debt this guy has. I'm not going to judge. Um, uh, but I, I just don't know how that's possible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, Mac, you, maybe you could give me some insight into this. The prototype was made, but were there ever any games actually made for it? Do you know? Um, not so much. It was a, you know, it was a partnership, or supposed to be, between uh, between uh, Nintendo and Sony, and then Nintendo backed out, and so Sony basically made the PlayStation out of spite. Um, we've talked about that before in video game history uh, segments right. in the past, but I don't know as any games that were actually made specifically for that system. So I guess maybe I phrased that poorly. I'm curious more if it's operational. Oh. And I guess I can Google that and figure it out. Because if it's operational, it would just be a fun thing to play. Well, you know what I mean? if it is what I think it is, I believe I have seen some videos in the past of some really, really clever, uh, you know, uh, electrical engineering type folks who actually have worked on that. Um, I believe Ben Heck is the one that comes to mind. I believe he had a thing where they sent him that and that exact unit that they had been touring around with, and he took time to make sure that everything was functional on it. Uh, and as far as I know, yeah, the everything about it is, is functional and functioning, but uh, I could be wrong. Yeah, some of the comments in the chat are interesting. So Galvatron says what we knew, that Sony entered the game industry due to Nintendo. Sony had already spent lots on research and development on a gaming machine, so they decided to get into gaming instead of wasting all that time and money. Um, Ruckus says, sounds like the console should be cherished and loved. Spenis says he thinks this could go for two to three million, this console. Here's the thing that I don't get, and then we can kind of wrap up. This guy purchased this at an auction from a Sony executive. As an executive or just as an employee of the company, how could you not realize that you're selling a piece of history? I just, I, I never understand that. 
you know what I mean? Like you worked at the company and and you just sold one of the rarest consoles in existence. Um, when you could have result, you could have made sure it was preserved or you could have, you know, kept it for yourself or done all, all n- number of things. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, so, I mean, I'm not trying to judge and I know this may seem harsh, but I, I just don't get that. You would think it would have been under lock and key. You know what I mean? But it is what it is. Um, Mac, you got anything else to say about this topic? Nope. Just wish him the best of luck, I suppose. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much um, it sells for and if it still remains accessible to the public. So that has been our topic of the week. Mac, back over to you. All right. Well, let's take a look at a crowdfunding effort that's uh, trying to get off the ground in a little segment we call Kick or Kick Start. At the end of this, we're going to ask you, our viewers and listeners, to say whether or not you think this should be kicked, kicked out of here. Or whether it should be kick-started, because it's worth your time and or maybe your money. So here's how it gets played. I will post a link in the chat. We will uh, take a look at some of the virtues and the vices of this Kickstarter and uh, see what we think. Now, this one's a little bit different, because this is not so much about video games as it is about games in general. It's called Go Dice. That is connected dice. Incredibly smart connected dice. They were looking for $25,000 in order to make an initial run of these six-sided dice that were connected. Now, don't misunderstand. There is in the, you know, promo image, there are some D20s and, you know, and another dice that has, uh, you know, like, it's probably a D100 or D200 or something like that. Um... But all that they're offering is D6s. So just throwing that out there. 25,000 to do that. Uh, They've more than surpassed that. Um, But this is more something. I'm just going to say it right now. I'm going to say kick. Uh, This is not worth your time nor your money. Just throwing it out there. So there's my bias off the table. Really? Even though they've made all this money? Yeah. Okay, I'm interested to hear more about what this is. Especially because they've made all this money. But, you know, but I'm not bitter. So, if you're looking for a set of the dice, you get get five dice, five connected dice. They're D6s, like I said. Um, $60 or more, well, strictly speaking, $59 or more. They say they're going to retail for $100, $99 actually, when they do go to retail. Um, and, you know, $5 for U.S. shipping, 7 to the rest of the world, blah, 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 blah. Um, the dice themselves have all the electronics inside of them. They are charged inside of the case uh, with supercapacitors. They say, stick it on there for 10 seconds and you should be good, good to go for an hour. Uh, you know, cool things like that. At its core, these are just dice with electronics pa- packed into them that you roll and because of the electronics packed into them and because the thing knows, oh, which side is up, it knows what die, you know, what number it landed on. You can use that to pair with a device. You can roll it and have basically the game do the calculation for you, which in one respect, in one very small use case, specifically the use case of Yahtzee that they talk about in there, right, is somewhat worthwhile. It is, I mean, it it is just kind of, okay, okay, that's fine. You found, good good job, you found one use where connected D6s might be 
worthwhile. So, okay, Yahtzee, cool. But they make kind of, they keep going and they're like, oh, well, this is great because it can be connected. And it's just like, wh why do I need that? Why do I need it to connect to the app, okay? And they're like, well, it can prevent cheating. It's just like you were literally playing a party game. Everybody's watching the same dice. If you're worried about cheating, why are you playing with that person? I mean, cheating? Cheating? Come on. Now, the only time that I could see this worthwhile, and I did when I was looking for, you know, Kickstarters for us to talk about, I was kind of excited because there was in the promo imaging, there was a D20. I'm like, you know, um, I have often wanted to play, uh, to play, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, tabletop games online, uh, with other people in different areas, but instead of rolling dice from the, you know, from like the app, like Roll20 or whatever, I had always thought it'd be kind of cool to be able to roll physical dice. And it's like, well, hey, that could be one use that would be cool, is if you could get this connected dice and play Dungeons and Dragons with it on the internet and see other people's dice rolls as they're rolling it. That's that would be cool, but that's not what's being offered here. While the D20 is there, the only things that they're getting that they're showing are D6s. And while yes, I do have and they're like, oh yes, well we have unique shells for a D4, D8, D10, D12, and D20. It's like <clears throat> um okay, if you want one of those, you're going to maybe be paying upwards of a hundred bucks and there are better ways to spend a hundred dollars and last but most certainly not least the dice cannot possibly be weighted for appropriate randomization unless the interior of the die is uniform and if you've got the electronics in there the die is not uniform and something is going to be rolled more often than others it's a really valid point. And I mean, at that point, what's the point of the die? If it's not actually going to be random anymore or super close to random, then just use a random number generator online. Boom, problem solved. And I know it doesn't quite have the same feel, but I mean, come on, $60 for five connected dice? There are better things to spend money on and, and just better products to be working with. So uh, yeah, there are so many other ways that you could achieve very similar results with, there's just, yeah. So I would say kick it. Mr. Nice Guy, please uh, uh, tell us something that you think is cool about this so that it's not all negative going on. Um, like I kind of want to wait till we make our announcement to tell you why I think this is a good idea. Um, but basically, it comes down to what you said, right? Um, the fact that if you're playing a game online, like I watch some people who stream different tabletop games, and they always have to do the random number generator unless they're in the same room as all the other people, right? And so it does take away from the immersiveness of playing these types of games when you're doing a random number generator. Also, random number generators are not actually random. I'll tell you about how I know this. So I remember taking a class in high school, like a physics class, and uh, the teacher showed us on our graphing calculators how there was a random number, quote unquote, random number generator. And, uh, and he said, why don't you guys all use it? And we were using it, and it was like our first time ever doing it. And a lot of us were getting the same numbers as we would keep going and going and going. And he said, why do you think you're getting the same numbers? And we said, I don't know. It can't just be a coincidence. And he said, it's not. It's just a complex program 
<clears throat> that they think is is random enough or complex enough that it's quote unquote random when in actuality it kind of gives you the same numbers if it's your first time ever using it if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, and I believe that random number generators are the same thing they're not actually random and so this is more random to me because you know you have the table that you're rolling it on you have you know different things in the room that affect it more so than a program does so to me this is a good option for tabletop games if you're playing across the country and i actually like this idea i do think it's overpriced though Mm -hmm. and if they were offering at more reasonable prices and if they were if there was some way but it's not just that there would have to be some form of integration that you could use. So even though you could potentially, if you're willing to pony up upwards of $100, you could get the full dice set that you need to play Dungeons and Dragons, for example, um, you would need integration, which the integration, unless it's an open API, open so, you know, open source uh, information, there would be no way for you to make that integration without lots and lots of time and effort on your side. There's just a lot of stuff that it, it's like, there are better and easier ways to do this. Uh, get another, get a webcam pointed at the dice you're rolling. There you go. Problem solved. Playing D&D online. Or better yet, just play with people who understand that not always winning in D&D is part of what makes it fun. The failures are often more fun than the successes. So, anyway. It, that being said, I say kick it. I don't see any reason for this product in this format especially to be a thing. Um, Mr. Nice Guy, what do you say? Um, I feel like there's got to be some type of accessibility that makes this more appealing to certain people. Like maybe someone's capable of rolling the die but they can't see them or something. And then, you know, when it shows up on the computer, it can read it out loud to them. I don't know. I just feel like for, for some type of gamer that this really does have a place, maybe not you or me, but I feel like it could help some people to enjoy tabletop games more. And I, I know that you weren't thinking that when you said kick it, right? You're not heartless. <laughs> um, but that, that idea just came to my mind. And so that I think is a pro, um, and, and I think that this should be kickstarted for, for that reason alone. I also just think it's unique. Like, we see we see so much nonsense. You know what I mean? Where it's like, well, what is the quality of the game going to be like? And, and with this, like, it's very clear cut. It's going to do one thing and one thing only. And there's video of it doing it. And you know that it's going to do it, right? And so I like that. It's very simple in what it does. So I say kickstart. Okay, well, I say kick. Mr. Nice Guy says kick start. Um, Let us know what you think. We're tabulating the results from here. And that's what I had today for kick or kick start. Awesome. Well, Max, since we just got done talking about dice and rolling and odds, um, we kind of teased on Twitter today, and we talked about this a little bit last week too, that we have an announcement that we'd like to make. And I would be... Excited if you would do the honors. All right. Well, it has been part of a long con in order to uh, get Mr. Nice play nice Guy to play <clears throat> Dungeons & Dragons. And that has been successful. So successful, in fact, that we're going to be playing Dungeons & Dragons on this channel this Saturday, 
along with a couple of uh, people that you probably know and have seen here in the chat. Um, uh, yeah, we're going to play this Saturday with them. There will be four of us, myself, Mr. Nice Guy, Rolf, and Pazzy. We're going to spend a couple of hours <coughs> uh, playing D&D together. Uh, yeah, like I said, we'll do it here. We'll do it live. And... We'll do it live. Yeah, we'll see how it goes, but that's the big announcement. Right, Mr. Nice Guy? Or was there another one? That, no, that's the big announcement. Now, it'll be interesting. Are they are they webcamming with us, or uh, have we not worked out those logistics yet? I know we're going to do a little meeting yeah, on Friday. We haven't quite 100% worked out the logistics of it, but uh, but I, I, I don't think they will be webcamming as well. But uh, but that that is that's to no be big determined. Deal. Yeah, we'll get it figured out, but bottom line, um, ideally, Mac, I think our plan is to do this once and then to potentially do it bi-weekly, mm-hmm. right? Um, and because we're all in different time zones, like what country are Ralph and Pazzy in? Um, well, so they're over in uh, they're over in, in the Europe area, whereas we are obviously in the United States. Um, so there's a little bit of a time delay. Um, or at least a, a time difference. Uh, one thing I will say about it is that the current plan is to do um, a session this Saturday, and then in two weeks on the following Saturday, I've, I've written something up that hopefully will last us three sessions, and three meetings, that is, and we'll do three meetings, and then we'll evaluate whether or not we're kind of having a good time and go from there. So for the benefit of those watching, what time are we going to be doing this on Saturday? Because I see some people already saying they'd like to tune in. Um, So I believe the plan is um, what we'll do is we'll tweet the exact time. Um, This is one of those things that we're still working out the logistics of of everybody's time schedule. But we're thinking that we will start at around the neighborhood of 7 or 8 a.m. Central Time, probably 8 a.m. Central Time. Which would be, what would that be? That'd be 9 a.m. Eastern, and that's something like early afternoon for, uh, you know, for Greenwich Mean Time and, uh, and you know, such like that. So, Yeah, and I think we're, we're planning to go two hours, right? Um, I think that was the discussion we had, wasn't it? Yeah, we'll go for two hours. Uh, personally, I like to go for under three hours. So, uh, so two hours, if we can manage it, maybe two and a half. Um, but uh, we are definitely not going four hours in length because Mr. Nice Guy has places to be. I'm coaching a basketball team now. So it's funny. How many people can say, yo, I got to end this, ver- this D&D so I can go coach a basketball game right now? Well, at least That's you. That's not a sentence that a lot of people say because um, not a lot of people have, have uh, unique interests like me. So anyway, it's going to be kind of fun. Um, grab some donuts, grab some whatever you eat for breakfast, and come hang out with us. Uh, Twitch.tv backslash two nerds in a pod. Now, the other half of the announcement is that as part of this whole long con, eventually we're going to get to the point where Mr. Nice Guy, instead of saying, ah, I've got to cut D&D so I can go coach basketball, it'll get to the point where Mr. Nice Guy is just like, we got to wrap this basketball game up so that I can go play D&D. Yeah, stop blowing the whistle, ref. Yo, I gotta go roll some dice. Anyway, that was our announcement, Mac. I say we keep things moving. What do you think? Sure, let's do it. Cool. Well, guys, this week we have some really, really cool trivia questions for our next segment called Nerdflex. Nerd a segment where we do some gaming trivia. 
and we uh, we try to answer them. They try to stump me and Mac. Now, this week we did have a submission from one of you good people, from our good friend Toad, um, who Mac and I know from his, uh, he's on uh, RGL TV, right? Retro Gaming Live TV? Yep, and his own, you know, and his own stuff at uh, Toad22484. Yeah, really nice guy, so check him out. Mac, I'm pulling up the questions. Now, um, I got an email with these questions, and just so that we could make sure that neither of us have seen the answer, Mac did not send me the email. Isn't that right? Yes, Mrs. The Mac sent it from, uh, you know, sent it to you. Perfect. So that, yeah, so that way neither of us would see the answers in advance. And bear with me, because now I gotta find this email. I had it saved. I thought I even had it pulled up, but apparently I didn't. Now, one thing that Mrs. The Mac did say is she said something like, oh, how many questions is it supposed to be? Um, so I get the impression that there's more than three. So I think we can do between, I, I think maybe we should do one or two questions. If there's more than three, let's do two questions and save two questions for next time. Okay, so there's actually six. I six. see six questions. Um... Let's just let's let's try to and see how we're feeling. Okay, some of them are kind of um they're going to be rough. No, they're just kind of connected. So, we'll do the first question and we'll do the last question because I think that these are both interesting questions. Okay, cool. Um the first question and you guys can help us out in the chat. We'll try to answer it and then we'll look at the chat. It says, "What was the first video game console to be played in space?" What is the first video game console to be played in space? Let me tell you what I know about space. What I know about space is that it is insanely expensive to send anything up there, which means you better have darn good reason and it better be as light as could possibly be. So okay. let's talk about what a video game console means. And I'm going to say that if we are including handheld video game consoles, exactly. then yeah. I'm going to say the Game Boy. Because that's, Dude, that's that's what I thought. And also because you wouldn't need to plug it in. Exactly. It's poor. You wouldn't have to try and find, you know, normal, you know, uh, plug things. You could just do it with some batteries, even though the weight of batteries, I mean, but I feel like the lightest game console we could go for would be a Game Boy. And so that would be my guess for for that. I'm going to agree with you. My only thing is, I wonder if maybe before the game, because when was the first time we went to space? Do we know? I don't know that. Um, Mrs. The Mac would know, like, you know, with no hesitation. Um, But, you know, I mean, we're talking, what, the 70s? Yeah, and I mean, I just can't believe that they waited until, what, when did the Game Boy came out? That was in my lifetime, like 1989, I think, is when the Game Boy came out. Sure. Yeah, late 80s. Um, Late 80s, early 90s. I can't believe that they waited that long. To take stuff up to space, but then again, they're not going to haul a Pac-Man machine up there. No, and no, no, hauling no, no, an, like Atari an Atari twenty and an Atari uh, hauling up an Atari, you need a television, and maybe they could plug it into some of the uh, you know to some of the displays that they already had up there. But that that just seems like it, it seems like when you're trying to pitch because you've got to justify what you're taking up in a space station to NASA, to people that I mean, definitely nerds at NASA. Hundred percent, but I mean, you know, when they have to be like, oh, I don't know, do we send up more oxygen or do we send up, you know, this? <laughs> I, I think that's the kind of trade-off we're talking about. So yeah, but at the same time, it's like, yo, I'm going into space. 
for a year. So I need to play Pong. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not seeing my family for a year. I need some entertainment. I'm going to get tired of looking at these stars close up. But I, I am with you, though. I, I think it was probably the Game Boy, the original Game Boy. So let's go with that. Before I scroll down, because I don't want to accidentally see answers to any other questions, mm-hmm. let's do this other question at the same time. Okay. If that works. And this one's going to take some thinking. We're going to have to talk our way through it. How many games did Mario appear in for the Nintendo Entertainment System? This is a fun question. Okay. Well, we've got uh, Super Mario Brothers. Uh, we've got Super Mario Brothers. We've got Super Mario Brothers 2 and Super Mario Brothers 3. We yep. also have... Yeah, Mike Tyson Punch-Out. Uh, uh-huh. Mike Tyson. Punch-Out. He's the referee. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. <sighs> Mario Golf. Ooh, that's right. Mario Golf. Yeah. So that's five right there. I just feel like there's a lot of games where he appeared in a in like a non-jumping. Yeah. Oh, Donkey Kong? Oh, yeah. Donkey Kong. Dr. Mario? Yeah. Okay. So let's not lose count. So what are we up to? So uh, like seven at the moment. Yeah. So three, the first three, Punch-Out, Mario Golf, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong and Dr. Mario. So that's seven. And Dr. Mario. And wasn't he in Donkey Kong 3? That I don't or, know. No, 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 Donkey Kong Jr. Uh, uh well, yeah, but wasn't Donkey Kong Jr. like on Game and Watch type thing? You know, one of those purpose-built type small things. I feel no, I feel, I'm, I'm like 99 okay. sure there was a Donkey Kong Jr. Okay, for cool. NES. Well, then, so let's call that eight, because that was one where you're playing as Donkey Kong Jr. trying to save Donkey Kong from Mario. Yeah, yeah, because Mario's so, the bad guy. Yeah, so we're up to eight. Um. I can't think of any others, but I'm sure there's got to be more. Yeah, and and you've got to think that there's probably a lot of other ones that just, like, included Mario. Like, I think there's a game called Yoshi's Cookie that I think is... That's for Game Boy, That's for Game sure. Boy, but, but... there is a game called Yoshi, though. Yeah, and I'm sure for, that... For NES. Yeah, I'm sure that Mario features into the things. There's also, like, that Mario is missing where you find him at the end. Yeah, There's geez. also a All bunch right. of games. I'm going to say, I'm going to say conservatively, even though we can't name them, let's say 19. 19's my guess. Okay. What do you Dude, think? someone in the chat, Spenis is saying, I think it's possible for NES... For the first one, somewhere in the 40-plus range. 40-plus? Wow. Um, I'm still going to say 19, just shy of 20. Yeah, I think 40 is too many. Um, all right, let's go with 19. No, no, no. Give us a different guess, Mr. Nice Guy. Well, I'm, I'm going to say 13 because I think 13. 19 is actually too many. Okay. I'm just trying to think of other games. <sighs> I would have forgot Mario was missing, so I'm glad that you said that. What other games had Mario on the NES? I'm going to go with 13. Okay. I think that's a good number. I say 13. You say 19. Spenis says 40 plus. Let's see what the answers are. All right. Okay. So first console so in space. First console in space. We got that right. It's the Game Boy. Yes. See, it's all about weight. Physics. Dude, this is crazy. So the answer for the number of Mario games is 18. I'm doing a little dance. So you were off by one. But if we're doing prices right rules. Yeah, then I'm, you know, over I bust. You went over and I won. And you won, yeah. I should have just said one. Prices right rules. 40 plus Spendis, come on, man. And he and he's the guy who knows all the trivia. 
though these are great questions we still have four more we'll have to do them in in upcoming weeks yeah of the show um but mac that's been nerdflex back to you buddy all right well uh now Let's talk a little bit of legalese. Legalese. So I'm not a lawyer. I just play one on a podcast. And today we're going to talk about some of the interesting developments with Pokemon Sword and Shield. To preface, let's say this. Pokemon Sword and Shield has been the fastest selling and the highest grossing Pokemon game. Nonetheless, there has been some contention by Pokemon Sword, uh, by uh, the makers of Pokemon, that they were uh, irreparably damaged um, by certain leaks. There's that they uh, had, they received, quote, irreparable injury, and that the Pokemon company, quote, is entitled to damages in an amount to be proven at trial. From who? from people who leaked details about Pokemon Sword and Shield before release. Specifically, specifically people who violated the non-disclosure agreements that they had when they leaked the details around November 1st, which is two weeks before Pokemon Sword and Shield was released, um, they leaked images of uh, Giga Gigantamax Machamp um, and, you know, and uh, unreleased images and information that could have only really been gotten by people who were under NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. So the heart of the issue is that the Pokemon company has subpoenaed uh, Discord um, for the records about who shared what and when because they're you know, because Nintendo's sort of data forensics have uh, traced it back to a few people involved at Discord where all these leaks came. This um, sounds like an open and shut case. Oh, yeah. Well, they're definitely going to... They're, they're definitely... The subpoenas are going to be granted. They're going to go forward. They're going to receive that. And then they're going to go, you know, and bring... And, uh, you know, and they're going to bring suit against these people who have uh, who have violated their non-disclosure agreements. That's not in question. The thing I want to highlight, though, just by way of, you know, by way of me uh, being a jerk, being a pill, is their claims that irreparable injury and they're entitled to damages in an amount to be proven at at trial. If I were on the jury of a thing, and maybe this just proves that I can't be a partial, an impartial juror, and a company that sold the best game that they've ever sold, and that sold the fastest that they ever could with more than 6 million units on opening weekend, right, of Pokemon Sword and Shield, to claim that they received irreparable injury from people being shown images of an evolution before the game came out, I would be very, very skeptical, especially considering that most of the negative press that Pokemon Sword and Shield received before it launched was as a direct result, not of leaks, but of they themselves saying things, their own images put out, the own things that they said when they, they are the ones who at E3 confirmed, we're not going to have all the Pokemon in Pokemon Sword and Shield. We're not going to include all the things that people got upset about. Usually this is kind of a monologue segment, but I disagree with you. Well, uh, on, 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 in what respect? Well, I mean, you're saying that because they made announcements about their own game at E3, that other people are allowed to leak stuff as well, even no, though they no, signed a non-disclosure agreement? No, no, not at all. Not agreement? at all. What I'm saying is I'm saying, yes, 
slap those people for violating their NDAs, whatever needs to happen. But if the Pokemon, if the Pokemon company wants to say that they received irreparable damage from, you know, from leaks that happened, I mean, that seems really hard. That seems really hard for me to swallow, considering that most of the controversy about their game before its release came from their own statements, not from the leaks, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but that's their prerogative. Yeah. I, I disagree, but I'll let you... I'm just saying, if I were on the jury, and the poke, and I was in this case, and I had heard of, you know, the various things that people were like, because that's most of what everybody was angry about, was the lack of all the Pokemon being available in the Pokedex. It was, it was like, that's what people were like, man, boycott this stuff. Or they were upset about graphics, but that came so much farther before the leaks that they're slapping people for that I just have a hard time swallowing the claim of irreparable damage okay, from, fair from the leak. We, and that's we, and that's we it. Could agree to disagree. I guess. Yeah, and we'll have to agree to disagree with this because neither of us are lawyers, nor are we jurors on this case. But uh, Pokemon Company, you do you. Slap these people for violating their NDAs. Mac, you know, the thing about the Pokemon company uh-huh. that I've always respected is they're all they're trying to do is be the very best. <laughs> that it was it was a joke that didn't go over. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Mr. Nice Guy. I, I'm just I'm just too wrapped up in my own thoughts to catch up. No, it's joke. okay. You know, you've heard the song before. Let's move on. Um, did you have more to say about that legalese segment? Nope, that was it. That in all seriousness, very interesting. Interesting, even if you think I'm wrong, I'm glad to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been our show. Thanks for tuning in to episode 120 of Two Nerds in a Pod. Um, Now, before we go, we do have one last segment called What We've Been Watching and What We've Been Playing, where we talk about just that, the cool nerdy stuff we've been into on YouTube, on Netflix, on Blu-ray, on 4K, and the games we've been playing on Xbox, on PlayStation, on mobile, on retro consoles, on Switch, and we share them, and you have a job to do if you're here live. You let us know in the chat what you've been playing, what you've been watching, because we're always looking for cool, nerdy stuff to get into. Mac, you want to take it away? Sure. Um, I have been, as you know, I'm here in Omaha, and uh, I have access to a Nintendo Switch because of my brother-in-law, and he's been so kind as to let me play Breath of the Wild, as I've mentioned before. <clears throat> I'm probably about halfway through the game and I'm loving it, but that is the only game that I have time enough for right now. Um, As for watching, uh, watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine, uh, watching through and uh, watching through Schitt's Creek. It's, It's a short list, but it's a good list. What about you, Mr. Nice Guy? Um, so I have been watching The Mandalorian and I will tell you what, um, without spoiling anything, I never knew that they would have so many celebrity cameos. Um, and Mac, you may have already seen some of this if you've been browsing the internet, but like, it's kind of cool that they're bringing in outside people just to kind of spruce it up and, and increase their fan base. I'll leave it at that. Um, and the, the episodes have been really good, too. Um, as far as what I've been watching, I've been getting more and more into Twitch streams in preparation for this Dungeons and Dragons that we're doing Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tuned into some Critical Role, and uh, dude, it's just it's amazing. Like, I, I hope it doesn't ruin, you know, what we're gonna do. But it's been fun to watch. I didn't realize that. I believe her name is what's her name? Uh, 
Ashley something who does the voice of Ellie from The Last of Us. I can't remember her name right now. Um, but Ashley she's in Johnson. Yeah, Ashley Johnson. She's in Critical Role. Uh, and of course, um, uh, what's her bucket? Oh gosh, I'm gonna feel terrible right now. But uh, she did Gears Five, and she was actually uh, she was actually nominated for her performance at the Game Awards, but skipped. Um, the Game Awards, well, she skipped out halfway at the Game Awards to go and make it to the table to play Critical Role. I did not know that, but that's commitment right there. Um, anyway, very, very cool Twitch stream, and uh, I'm excited for us to start our own little friendly thing. Um, as far as what I've been playing, man, still I'm loving the Outer Worlds, Mac. Um, Fallout 3, one of my favorite RPGs of all time, and this just brings back all the memories of playing that game. So uh, I'm really enjoying that game. And what else have I been playing? Oh, tonight before the stream, I re I had re-downloaded Destiny 2 and hopped on PvP. So much fun. I needed a year and a half away from the game to really appreciate how much fun it is. Um, so next time I stream on my channel, I will probably stream some Destiny 2 PvP. Uh, and I've done other stuff too, but that's most of it. Some Saturday Night Live sketches. Uh, and whatnot I've been watching, but that's it. What about the people in the chat, Mac? Anything interesting from them? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, so we've got some Red Dead and Call, Call of Duty, um, and Rick and Morty as uh, for watching from Uncle Ruckus. Uh, let's see. Galvatron suggests Modern Warfare, Days Gone, Devil May Cry 5, Resident Evil 2 Remake, Super Mario Maker 2, and Jedi Fallen Order. I have heard great things about Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, me too. In fact... Side bit, side tidbit. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, if it had been released like a week earlier, it would have been eligible for Game of the Year at the Game Awards. And a lot of people think that it may have won. So I guess it's worth playing. I'm going to have to hop into it. Yeah. And as for watching, uh, we have good ones such as Force Awakens and The Last Jedi to prepare for the small independent space movie that's releasing this week. Loving the sarcasm, Galvatron. Keep it up. Um, let's see. Let's see. V Wars on Netflix, which is apparently terrible, and The Boys on Prime Video, which is apparently overrated. So good. Now to I forgot. No, I forgot to mention Mac. Ruckus wants to do us a favor each week mm -hmm. of compiling all the watching and playing into one list. Gotcha. So it looks like he's doing that. Which thank you, Ruckus. I forgot to tell Mac we were going to do it that way. Sorry about that, Uncle Ruckus. I appreciate you. I appreciate you doing that for us. I guess what that means we probably need to do is we need to ask people to start typing them in once we start talking about ours. Yeah, because just to make it smooth. Yeah, just so that he's got... Because that's kind of the problem, I feel like. By the time I get there, you know... Uh, and, and just as I started talking, Uncle Ruckus had already compiled the games list for us right there. Um, which, way to be a champ, man. Much appreciated. But, uh, but it was one of those where... Uh, whereas just like, ah, you know, I guess we've got to get on that. We've got to open with, hey, get what you're playing in. And then, yeah, yeah. Um, we, a few other things. Uh, Pazzy's been playing EverQuest. And uh, as for watching, we have some good things like uh, Road Quest. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's all caught up from the looks of it. And Spenis, it looks like, uh, dropped some stuff in there. Oh, he said yeah. MLB The Show 19, Team Sonic Racing, Pokemon Shield, soon we'll be playing Jedi Fallen Order started on 1-1. Um, well, cool. Mac, I think we wrap things up now. Anything else you want to say to the people before we go? You're all the best. Thanks for being here. 
Thanks for tuning in, and if you're here live, stick around for the post-show. Friendly reminder to those listening on audio, if you're listening to this before Saturday, December, what is Saturday going to be? The the 21st. The 21st, we're going to be streaming Dungeons & Dragons live here on twitch.tv backslash two nerds in a pod around 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 or 8 a.m. So uh, that's been our show. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Leave us a ratings, like, subscribe on iTunes, all that good stuff. Same bat place, same bat time, same bat rhymes. Keep it nerdy, y'all.